my life. So excited to be up here with you guys today on this wonderful Mother's Day. Um, I love Mother's Day. I think because every Mother's Day, it reminds me of that moment whenever I found out that I was going to be a mom. And we, we found out, and we were so excited to tell everybody. But I think even more than that, I couldn't wait to, to see this little peanut that God was growing and weaving together inside of my womb and see that ultrasound. And as I did, I was excited, I was thrilled, and I don't know which one I was more excited about, the fact that I got to see the child or that there was only one. <laughs> because in my family, the twins have the twins. And, well, I'm a twin. And so there was this, I always wanted to be a mother of twins, but wanting it and actually taking on that role and that responsibility is a whole nother thing. And even though I wasn't a mom, I did know that. And being a mother truly is, it is a high calling. It is a blessing. Um, and we want to celebrate you moms today but in that celebration, sometimes there can be some, some hardship, can't there? And some sad moments, maybe remembering the loss of your own mother, or maybe never having known your mom, your biological mother. Or maybe there's just separation and turmoil and struggle and conflict within your relationship. And, and in that can make it hard. Or maybe, moms, you're just overwhelmed, and you're tired, and you look at your life and you think, I thought this was going to be different. I thought I was going to be happier. I thought that this was going to be easier. I want you to know that regardless of where you're at this morning, God knows your story. He sees you. He loves you. He cares about you. And he has amazing, good things for you. So know that. No, I hope that you're encouraged today to know that your heavenly father is with you and he loves you. So when we come home from the hospital, though, with these little ones, you know, we're given a couple of pointers on, on how to keep them alive, <laughs> right? How to keep them healthy and, and safe, hopefully, you know, um, and to, they don't fall off of the changing table. You know, how do we, how do we bathe them correctly? But if only hygiene was the only thing that we had to worry about <laughs> and keeping them fed. If only it was about milk and cookies and cutting that peanut butter jelly sandwich exactly how they like it. I'm still learning, Ben. I'll get yours. <laughs> we like our sandwiches cut differently, and I can't, I never get it right. <laughs> But if only that was all we had to worry about. The calling of a mother is far greater than that. If you would, turn with me to Proverbs 22.6. The Bible gives us something that is far greater than an owner's manual and a step-by-step -step direction on how to raise up our kids. The Bible gives us access to and provides us deeper insight on how to mold, train, and develop the human spirit in a way that honors God. And the word of God is our tool. So Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. 
And when he is old, he will not depart from it. The Bible really will help us raise up our kids. God knows our children better than we do. He knows their unique personalities. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He knows the things that are going to bring them heartache. God knows them far better than we do. And he knew that as we are trying to teach these little ones that what worked one day, oh, guess what? You get to be creative and come up with a whole new thing and approach the next day because it's not going to work anymore. Just as soon as you thought you figured it out. He also knew that the very thing that you were going to teach a three-year-old was going to be far different than what you were trying to help a 14-year-old understand. And he knew that. And there are many things that are trying to capture the hearts of our kids. There are many distractions and there are many lies that are disguised as truth. If it feels good, it must be right. Are we told that if it feels good, it's got to be right? We're told the lie that it doesn't matter who you love as long as you're happy, as long as it feels good. Be yourself. It doesn't matter what you believe or what kind of lifestyle you live. Just be true to you. You do you. You do you. Be you. And while there is some truth to that statement, God has created us uniquely. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he sees us individually and not as just a whole. But there's also a lie in that that everything is not permissible, is it? Everything is not permissible. And as long as, as we believe those lies, we are, we are being deceived. Our Western culture has no longer taken God's word as being the authority. We have moved beyond the authority of God and his word, and we have set up for ourselves that we are sole judge of truth. We can determine what is right and what is wrong. I mean, after all, we're the one living our life, right? And there are some situations that it would just be easier if we could adapt and change what is right and what is wrong. It would be more beneficial to change what is right and what is wrong. And it's obviously it would be more convenient, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would just be convenient. But Deuteronomy 6.4, this passage of scripture really defines our God-given role as a parent and grandparents even for you. How do we train up our kids in the way they should go? What does that look like? Because God is calling us to raise up a generation of Christ followers, a, gener a generation that loves him, that will stand firm according to the truth of the word of God and will not waver no matter what comes. Amen. He wants them to be anchored. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, the only God. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind and with all of your soul and with all of your strength, your entire being. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be written on your hearts and minds. And then you shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths. 
and you shall speak of them when you sit in your home, and when you walk on the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, and you shall bind them as signs on your head, and they shall be as bands on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your home and on your gates. There is a high calling of being a parent, and we are called to teach, to diligently teach our kids what is right and what is wrong. We are called to diligently teach them truth in such a way that it molds and makes an impression deep upon their hearts and on their mind. That we begin to influence the way that they think and the way that they choose to live. Not to make us happy, right, but to honor God. So historically, and there's a, there's a picture here, historically a signet ring was engraved with markings that would identify a person in their family. It may have be engraved with a family crest or coat of arms that is associated with that family. And that signet ring would be pressed into a hot wax or a soft clay to leave an impression. And that impression would prove authenticity. It was... It was far better than a signature. That impression would prove authenticity. And the beautiful thing is, is that, a humans, that as humans, we are created in the image of God. We are called to be his signets on this earth and to leave a deep impression and influence all of those around us. We are to influence our children, and it goes beyond that. It goes into the world. And we're called to raise up our kids to make to be proof of God's yeah. authenticity. The deeper that our foundation is, the greater our mold to impress a deep-rooted Christ-like identity within our children. Deuteronomy 7 gives us that practical way of what it looks like to teach our kids. It pretty much encompasses our whole entire day. We're going to talk about the Word of God and talk about who He is and His values and His statues while we're sitting at home, while we get up in the morning, while we're driving down the road, while when we go to bed, God is going to encompass our whole entire life. I think about when my, my son was visiting some family members and his cousin goes, God, 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 God. Is that all you talk about, Warren? <laughs> and I thought, yes, he's getting it. <laughs> Because God should encompass all of our life. He should be a part of every moment of it. And it's our responsibility to invite him into our day and to show our kids what that looks like. That can happen by opening up the word and reading it together. And if you're not sure what to read, Version Bible, it gives something that you, that you can use personally for yourself, but there's also family devotionals within that that it'll help you ask your kids questions, it'll be simplified. Um, and there is something amazing that God does in that moment when we're trying to impart truth to our kids, that the Holy Spirit begins to work in us too. Yeah. And, it, and then we're able to become deeper rooted ourselves. But in verse 8, it actually takes that from us teaching our kids. And in verse 8, it's actually then our kids are wearing that truth for themselves as a garment around their neck. It's that personal application that our kids are there, are then applying the word in their own life. And not perfectly, right? We don't do it perfectly. But they're beginning to figure out, how does this apply to my life? And 
How does it work in this situation? So I want to encourage you, take time. Talk to your kids about what's going on in their life. Turn off the music in the car. Make them put away their devices. Put away yours. And connect. Find out what's, what they're facing. Find out what they're going through. Sometimes in a car ride can be the easiest way to do it. Some, for some reason, when you're sitting face-to-face at the table, right, everybody kind of wants to clam up. But when you're side-by-side side and you're doing something fun together or you're driving in a car, the guard can kind of be let down. And your teens might then begin to open up to you and talk to you in those moments and, and share what they're facing. And it gives you that opportunity to then interject God's word and his truth into exactly where they're at in a way that becomes foundational. There are many teachable moments that we have if we are taking the time to look for them. We have to have those God conversations with our kids and look for those teachable moments that we can apply his word. I personally love using other people, like characters in a story that we're in a book that we're reading or a character on television. Because for some, for some reason, if I can remove them kind of out of their own life and their own emotions, they're more receptive. Their heart is more open to hear the principle that I'm trying to teach. And maybe I do it too much. I don't know. But my daughter, the other day, we're going to sit down and watch a family movie. And she's like, are we going to actually watch a movie or are we just going to talk about it? <laughs> now... Now, God love her. There is a reason why she does get a little annoyed because my intention is to be quick, right? My intention really is to just get the point and move on um, and keep going in the story and enjoy the family time. But Warren learns by discussion. And so he then takes the, the small little thing that I want to impart and he takes it a whole nother direction. He begins to ask questions, bring in different scenarios. And Haley is left interjecting some really good thoughts. But then it's like, can we just get back on with what we were doing? <laughs> but those teachable moments are very important to look for them. And when you find them, invite the Holy Spirit in to be a part of it. Invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of teaching them. But it's not just about us teaching our kids. We have to have a deep foundation ourselves in order to impress it into our children. The deeper our foundation, the greater the impact that we're going to make. Deuteronomy 6, 5 and 6 says that you, he's talking to us, that we will love God, that we should love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, with all of our soul, and all of our strength, our entire being. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be written on your hearts and minds. Our kids know whenever we're being genuine. They pick it up quick, right? And Jesus didn't, he didn't model, he didn't say, do as I say, not as I do. Did he? Do as I say, not as I do. He didn't say, like, oh, but when you're older, then it'll be okay, <laughs> right? He didn't make those statements and said, he will know the Father by me. You will know the Father by me. We are God's signet to our children. Are we a valid representation of who he is? 
Jesus said that people will know him by the love that we have for one another, by the love that we have for our spouse, by the love we have for our kids, by the love that we share with one another. We are influencers. You influence. And you have a choice that you can either influence and be contagious with your relationship with God and pass that along to all those that you come in contact with, or you can do the opposite. But there is something that is so powerful. There is a spiritual truth that happens that when we are growing in our relationship with God, when we're passionate about him, it's like it just comes out as an overflow and that we begin to just saturate our kids with it and all those around us. Our conversations just naturally change. We're not having to fight for those moments of trying to teach our kids something and what do I teach them? I have no idea. It just comes out of what God is already doing within our own life and it overflows and influences all those around us. You'll notice your conversations with your kids automatically change. Your conversations with coworkers and friends, they just change. Even those that don't know God, it changes and it impacts and it makes a difference. It is never too late. You may feel like my kids are they're teenagers, they're grown, they're out of the house, and I've, I've messed up. And you may feel like I've I already, I'm done. I missed that mark. I want you to know that it doesn't matter how old that your kids are. It's never too late to love God and be a witness for him. It is never too late to allow that transformation that he does in your life to be seen by your kids or anyone else. That is the amazing thing about his love and forgiveness. That we are going to mess up. It's guaranteed. I'm sure you've done it today. I have. <laughs> right? We're going to mess up. But that is the incredible thing about his love. Is that no matter what we have done, he loves us. He cares about us. He cares about you. He cares about what's going on in your life. It's important to him. And he is a dad in heaven that just wants you to come to him so that he can help you, so that, he can, that you can experience the love that he has for you. God is looking for people who are seeking him and want to obey him, not to just do the bare minimum to get to heaven, but they really love him and want to do his will. David is a good example of that where as a shepherd boy, as a shepherd boy, he is writing love songs in a field. And as he's writing these love songs, what happens? He later becomes king. Like imagine that David's love towards God moved God in such an incredible way. What would happen if our kids grew up knowing that they could move the heart of God? What could they accomplish? What would change in how they would live if they knew that their love for God would move his heart? Psalm 91, 14 through 16 says that because he, David, has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him 
and show him my salvation. God is going to do all of these things for David because David loves God. Not because he's perfect. David made a lot of mistakes. If you go back and look at his life, he made a lot of mistakes. But he set his love on God. That tells me that we have a choice on where we set our love, where we set our affections, where we set our attention. I mean, just look at how quickly people fall in and out of love with one another. The rate of divorce and separation and brokenness with the families continues to incline. And I don't think that most people set out to have affairs to hurt their spouse or their family in such a way. I think typically it starts with something small, some, like a thought that was innocent, that was entertained. And that small thing grew and it snowballed into the individual making a decision that they never thought that it would make. It all happened because of boundaries. Marriage boundaries are important. Amen. Marriage boundaries are vital especially in the world that we live in today. I'm so fortunate that Ben and I were given the advice of the importance of marriage boundaries early on. And I will say that marriage boundaries are not always easy. They're inconvenient. But we chose that we would never be alone with someone of the opposite sex, whether that be in the car or going out to eat with them that we would always make sure there was a third party that was with us. And yeah, there have been times where we had to do some finagling to make that happen. It's not easy. It's inconvenient. And it's not because I don't trust Ben or he doesn't trust me. It's not because I don't trust the person that he would be with. Right? It's that it, our marriage is too important. It's too important to even allow the thought of speculation the thought of anything to root itself that would cause division and separation within our marriage. It is worth placing boundaries. It doesn't matter how long you've been married. I would encourage you, talk to your spouse. Come up with something that you can agree on that protects your relationship, that you can set those, those very clear markers to say this is what we will and won't do before the time comes that it was too late. Set those, set those markers. And you might find that it, it's that we need a routine date night, right? Because in the busyness of life, you can have kids or not have kids and need a routine date night, right? Where you take time to just enjoy the company of your spouse. Take time to, to get to know them more. Because we change as our life changes and we go through different seasons, and it's important that we take that time to know one another. I know a, a pastor and that values this so much for his wife. And his wife loves gifts and spontaneity. And it is the furthest thing from his mind. He is very task-driven. He runs off of a schedule. And he sets goals for everything. And knowing that his marriage is a priority to him, he actually schedules I'm going to take home flowers on this day <laughs> and sets himself a reminder to make sure that that priority is met. He'll schedule those, I'm just going to show up randomly and surprise her and do this or take her here. And he schedules it for himself. His wife doesn't know about it. He just schedules it 
And it's because he values it. And you could say that, oh, well, but is that really that he was thinking about me? And he, right? Yeah. It is. He thought, about, he thought about her so much that he loved her so much that he was willing to schedule it to make sure she was a priority. Sometimes in order for us to set our love on God, we have to schedule him so that we can begin to start making time for him and being still and getting into his word and allowing that word to transform us. We have to make him a priority and set our love on him because if we don't set it on him, we're setting it on something. We're setting it on something. So I want to ask you, what is captivating your thoughts? What is, what is it that entices your, ensnares your time and grips your emotions? What is it that, that you think about throughout the day? Sometimes it's just that at the end of the day, you get to do what you want to do. And you get to relax, right? You get to Put all the responsibilities to the side and relax, and we can think about that sometimes all day. I can't wait for that moment that we just get to mindlessly exist. Maybe we're watching TV or playing video games. But sometimes in and of ourselves, we can be setting our affections on that alone. We can be setting our affections on success. And maybe it's for noble reasons. I want to do well in my work so that I can get a raise, so that I can provide more for my family. And while it's good and it's noble and it's loving, if we're not first setting our affections on God, we'll never be satisfied, we'll never be fulfilled. Amen. Psalms 27, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I have found in my own walk with God that I'm either drawing closer to him, or I'm moving away from him. There's no like just kind of remaining stagnant, it just doesn't happen. I'm either actively delighting myself in him, delighting in his word, delighting in his presence, allowing the word of God to transform who I am on the inside and know him greater, or I'm just kind of becoming complacent and I begin to move further and further away without recognizing it. So delight yourself in the Lord. Take those moments where you dial down all the distractions and enjoy his presence. And if that's new to you, those prayer times are a good way to learn how to do it. To just be in the presence of God. You don't have to pray. You just have to connect your heart into what's being prayed. Connect your heart with God. And it can begin to teach you what that looks like. To just delight in his presence. To delight in his presence. Because to train up our kids and make that deep impression in their hearts... We have to be concerned with what's going on on the inward of our kids and even on our own. That inward transformation is so much more important than the behavior modification on the outside. God is more concerned with that inward transformation. So I have, a, I have the cutest picture of Haley. <laughs> now, Haley as a toddler loved jewelry and this picture does not give the necklace justice. There was one day I counted 18 necklaces on this little child to the point that when she would walk, some of them were like just barely hitting the floor and if she would lean over or bend, she would step on it and get caught and have to like adjust it to stand up. 
She was just the cutest. She loved to feel pretty and glamorous. She loved it. She still does in a different way. But so I was asking her, I said, Haley, what makes you beautiful? She gives me the biggest grin and she goes, red lipstick. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, honey, red lipstick sure is pretty, but what makes you beautiful? My red sparkly shoes. Obviously, we like red, right? Anything that we just could glamour it up and make a statement, this child is going to love. But so I'm like, well, Haley, those things really are pretty. But being, being pretty is not about your hair or your necklaces, your lipstick or your shoes. But it's about what's on the inside. She goes, ew, my guts aren't pretty. <laughs> but this concept of this concept of internal beauty is the same as having a transformed heart over behavior modification. It's the same concept. And as a parent, I think that I run into this sometimes in my parenting. And I'm sure I'm not the only one where I want my kids to make a good impression of me. (laughs) Right? It's like, don't embarrass me. Don't act like that. Stop it. Right? I want them to make a good impression of me. I mean, come on. I'm the best mom in the world. It was written on my Mother's Day card. Right? <laughs> and, but we want our kids to, to sometimes make us feel better. And it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. And yes, obedience is good. And it's important. Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That outward is important, but it's because of what's already happened on the inside that then the outward automatically follows it. And so we can, we can sometimes lose sight of that, can't we? We want that behavior modification. It's easier. It's tangible to see what's happening, but God is more enthralled with our children's hearts over that outward modification and if we can get their heart to change automatically they're going to walk in obedience of their parents because they honor authority because they know how to submit to authority because they love God and in that they have learned what it looks like to love and obey there was there was this day that my kids were just arguing, and they were fighting, and they were tattling, and they were, and I was exhausted. I was done. I was, I was going to just call the game. I was going to be the referee. Everybody was going to go to their separate rooms, and I was going to have some peace and quiet. And there are days that I've done that. <laughs> but this particular day was a better day. And instead, I invited the Holy Spirit and said, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to teach these kids? What is it that you want to teach them? He says, love. Teach them love. So we sit down and we talk about it. And at first, we get this very quick response of, of, I said, well, how can we love one another better? What can you do? And Warren very quickly chimes in, Haley, you're good at gymnastics. And Haley goes, thank you, Warren. You were really, you did a really great job 
picking up your bedroom and making your bed today. <laughs> and done, quick, mom is satisfied? No, because we weren't in it, right, for me to just, my ego to be groomed, right, or for me to be like, okay, they said what they needed to say, we're good, I can move on to the pile of laundry that's building. Instead, we had to take more time. And so we opened it up to 1 Corinthians 13, and we look at the, the scripture on love and what it looks like to walk in love with one another. And so we go through that scripture, and we talk about how does this look? What can we do? And then at the end of the day, we talked about it. We talked about how did that work out? Did you feel like you were able to walk in love better? And it was amazing because their eyes opened to see that they were able to put something into practice, and it actually made them happier. That when they began to actually prefer the other one over their own desires and what they wanted, that somehow they enjoyed their day more. And when we work on that inward transformation, God is so gracious that he is going to teach our kids something far greater than what we can teach them on our own. I want to encourage you to take those teachable moments and take those times. And we're not going to do it perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. Trust God. Rely on him and let him teach you and help you along the way because he wants to. And maybe today you're saying that I, there's no way that I can impress this upon my kids' hearts because I don't know it for myself. I, was, I don't know God the way that you're talking about him. I've given my life to him, or I haven't. But this personal relationship and walking with him and him just immersing your life in him is something that is so foreign to what I understand. And if that's you today, I want you to know that it's okay to be there, but you don't have to stay there. Right. You could make a choice to delight yourself in the Lord, to take one step closer to him by surrendering your life to him, giving your life to him, and he will meet you in that place, and he will walk the journey with you, and he will lead you. He will give you the strength. He will give you the words to say, and then you can begin to model a growing faith with your kids. So if that's you today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to have everybody repeat the prayer. But I want you to, in, to connect your heart with the prayer and believe it. Because when we, when we make a prayer that we want to live our life for God, he does something in that moment and he transforms our life. So Heavenly Father, if this is, if you, if this is you, repeat after me. Heavenly Father... Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die, to die for my sins. You know all of my mistakes, all of my faults, and yet you love me. Today I declare Jesus as Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. That God raised him from the dead, and I am saved. Help me delight in you. Help me to delight in your word. And help me to know you in a great way that I can influence all those around me. In Jesus' name, amen.